Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 48 Jacqueline the Goblin Blacksmith. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Justin Kay's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests, the best and coolest unofficial D&D podcast out there on the interwebs, in my humbly biased opinion. I'm joined by another fighting squad team member from Infinite Ultra. We've got, well, who do we have on the horn? Would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Justin Kay, and you might know me if you listen to Infinite Ultra as uh, Wayne. Awesome. Yeah, Wayne is the uh, the laid back, oh, I'm trying to remember, kind of like druidic sort of a character. Yeah, a little, little shamanistic animal totem powers going on there. Um, more, more of a brawler, but yeah, still has that spirit connection. We had Kia on the show as well. Um, so Kia was very kind to recommend you become a guest of the show. Um, and I had to confess to her then, like, oh man, the last time where I remember leaving off with Infinite Ultra was you guys were in the sewer with uh, your ball of goop that you were trying to follow back to its source. So I've got some podcast listening to do. The best episode's coming up. Awesome. Can't wait to dig back in. Well, so we don't go off totally on a tangent. Uh, let's go ahead and continue on with the personal interview and ask, do you currently or have you ever played D&D? Uh, yes. Um, uh, Role-playing games in general. I actually started out with uh, Shadowrun um, back in high school, um, which I'm sad to say is over 20 years ago now. <laughs> um, so I've, I've been playing role-playing games in some form or another for just over 20 years. But yeah, D&D, &D, my goodness, I've played every edition at some point or other honestly so uh, do you got think... into it with third oh right so do you think now with the D and D in its fifth edition of the game do you think it's more comprehensive it's easier it feels old school but it also uh, is very approachable for the new school yeah the the rules definitely got modernized a lot um it's it flows better it's it's much easier to sit down read the player's handbook and just have it in your head i will say i played a long campaign in fourth edition and we enjoyed the game despite the edition like fourth just oh man i couldn't stand it but uh so fifth felt like a return to form for me and i, I really have enjoyed it Okay. Well, I actually started with fourth edition. So to me, it was all new and exciting. And, uh, oh, okay. you know, I had no 
previous edition experience uh, with D&D. But then when 5th edition came out, I was like, oh, this is cool. It feels old school, but it's easy enough for someone like me who started on 4th edition to be able to just naturally progress to the new mode. So, so, so do you prefer 5th edition or 4th edition? I prefer 5th edition because it streamlines a lot of things. Like, you're not having to constantly remember, okay, well, I, you know, these are my dailies, these are my at-wills, these are my encounters, and Mm -hmm. because of this situation, I have a plus 2, and this weapon makes it a plus 5. So it was all very number-crunchy, I felt, like, with having to remember modifiers and additives and stuff like that. Uh, Um, But skill challenges were certainly cool, and, uh, you know, I I definitely try and remember to bring in skill challenges uh, into 5th edition whenever I can. Mm, that's cool cool well uh the namesake of our show is sidekicks and side quests so i always ask our guests do you happen to have a favorite sidekick from rpg video game movie film etc and why are they your favorite sidekick npc I, i was thinking pretty hard about this when you sent those questions over and i think for video games for me the like quintessential sidekick has always been the animal companions um i i remember like the the dog you get in like fallout 2 but then like uh i was thinking the the dogs and cats in minecraft like if you play that game like single player they bring so much to that game just having that kind of silent companion there for you and then you know that carries over to games like red dead redemption i love the horses like i just mm-hmm. i don't know maybe i just like animals more than people there's a bit of that wane coming <laughs> out so all right and now for the flip-flop what's been one of your favorite side quests from rpg film television etc and why has it been your favorite side quest so so this one i'd actually jump to books because i don't i tend to games have gotten so huge that i'm kind of bad about skipping over side quests just to get through the game the main story there there's a book called a uh, kafka on the shore by haruki murakami a japanese author and there's this character uh nakata and he's this old simpleton right he's a uh, like kind of the village idiot but uh mm-hmm. i mean he describes himself that way and he talks to cats and he it's kind of some magical realism like it's not you're never really quite sure if he's actually talking to him or believes it but he gets involved in this whole side quest throughout the book because he's not the main character he's trying to find a cat serial killer and like find some missing cats and it was just so absurd but the character was done so well that that just ended up like i was almost more excited when he'd show up in the book than the main characters in the main storyline i think it was the absurdity of it plus animals again there you go right there you go Perfect. Hello, everyone. I just want to take a moment to tell you about my first ever sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicenda is the mastermind behind this trifecta of triumph. He produces tabletop-themed beard balms, beard-themed tabletop RPGs, and helps to support additional tabletop content creators on Patreon. Now, each of his beard balms is flavored after the basic stats from D&D. Do you need some strength for your beard? Why, apply and feel yourself empowered with the scent of pine and cedar with a minty edge. If you're feeling rather charismatic, apply a balm of sweet-smelling amber, clove, and pipe tobacco. Each one of these balms is unique in its makeup. And of course, don't forget, Tony developed a whole RPG that allows you to harness your facial ferocity and hair-raising adventures. You can snag a copy of that game as well as a style stencil, enamel pen, or a map of the Whiskerverse. And finally, aside from all of the awesome interviews and actual plays Tony has on Plus One EXP, every purchase you make feeds into the Plus One Forward program, which supports small indie content creators to continue making amazing tabletop RPG content. So, 
head on over to plus1exp.com. That's plus one spelled out and exp.com in order to shop for these balms and games and more. And when you go to check out, use my affiliate code Randolph to save some coin on your purchase and to help support sidekicks and side quests. How else do you think our tavern keeper at the Levitating Platter is going to keep his silver beard so awesome? Once again, the code is Randolph, like how it's spelled on episode two and his write-up in order to save on your order and help support the show. So thank you so much. And now back to the podcast. And to finish out the personal interview section, what are you passionate about and why? I'm very passionate about reading. Um, it's been a lifelong hobby for me. It's the one, I'm, there's so much stuff in the world and you never get to experience it all. Reading helps <laughs> with that because you get chances to experience things. Um, but I've, I've managed to turn it into a job. I'm an English teacher. And uh, I mean, if I could make a, a plug for how reading is important, I teach at a public school and on average in the city I live in, and this is true widely across the country uh seventh graders read at about a third grade reading level that's just a horrifying statistic to me and part of it is these kids don't grow up with books in their house they don't grow up around adults that are reading um it becomes a chore rather than something pleasurable so i just see so much correlation between you know people stuck in cycles of poverty and stuff like that and just this inability to do something as simple as read because it's going to help you grow as a person and challenge your thoughts and all that stuff. So uh, to any parents listening, uh, I would highly encourage you, you know, make reading part of your lives with your kids. Yeah, and certainly D&D and other tabletop role-playing games can help do that. Hopefully help inspire people to want to read more because obviously you have your R.A. Salvators and your, uh, you know, all your other fantasy authors out there that Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, people are reading and they're using it to inspire their own D&D games. So it'd be like, oh, that was a really cool adventure. You said you got it from this book. Oh, maybe I should go read that book and figure out how it happened in the book. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, now that we've gotten to know our guest a little bit more, Mr. Justin, let's go ahead and head into some NPC creation. All right. So this is the part of the show now where we get to make someone fun, an NPC. And I believe we discussed that we were going to test the fates. We were going to roll the dice and come up with something completely unique on the spot. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So the first thing that we're going to need to determine is a name for the character. So let's go ahead and roll a d20 and figure out what's going to be the name of our character. Rolled an 18. 18. Okay, Jacqueline. We're going with Jacqueline as the name. Okay. All right. What is their ancestry? This, we're going to get to roll a d100 or two d10s. My d100 here. Uh, 25. 25. A goblin. So we got a goblin named... Awesome. So we have a goblin named Jacqueline. Let's see. The next question is, what is their job or role in society? Let's go ahead and roll just a regular D10. D10? Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, The zeros are tens. I have this question all the time in my Infinite Ultra podcast. It's all D10 based. So yes, I'm 10. 10. Okay, so this response, this job was submitted by our previous guest, Elvia Jablinski. Jacqueline the Goblin is a blacksmith. Okay. Let's see, the next category, we need to figure out their age. So this will be a D8 to figure out their age category. Three. Young adult. So we have a young adult blacksmith. Okay. 
And so now that we've kind of started to build out the character, now this is just free-form discussion and figuring it out. Let's describe the physical appearance of Jacqueline, the young adult blacksmith goblin. What are you seeing? Well, she's a blacksmith, so she's got to be fairly built, um, swinging that hammer all day. Maybe a little darker green or gray skin than a normal goblin, because she's probably covered in suit a lot. I think she'd have a pretty honest face for a goblin, um, because that seems like a fairly honest trade for a goblin to have. So maybe a little friendlier looking than most goblins. Does she spend a lot of time on her appearance, or does she not? You know, I don't think she would. Um... I think any time at all a goblin spins on their appearance is probably more than normal. Um, so uh, pro- probably not. I, I don't think she's a would be an attractive goblin. But yeah, kind of dirty, uh, well built, maybe a flatter nose because if she had a long nose, it'd get burnt more often, and that that mm. wouldn't work out for a goblin. Big ears. We'll give her big ears. Okay. Yeah, she's a young adult, so she's still growing into adulthood. So. Mm-hmm. Which, if I recall offhand, it's only a couple years before goblins really come into maturity. Yeah, I don't think they live very long, so... Obviously, if she's a blacksmith, it sounds like she's doing very well, you know, within her tribe or society or group. Or maybe she lives in an urban environment and she's found work as a blacksmith. I like it. Now, let's describe Jacqueline with three adjectives. What three adjectives do you think best describe Jacqueline? Um... Yeah, this is the hardest question. Uh, (laughs) I think she might be a little apologetic. I don't think she's clumsy, but she's probably, you know, she's strong. She's probably breaking things in goblin culture quite a lot. Um, So apologetic. I don't think she'd be clean, but I think organized. I think she'd be a very organized person. And then for the last one, I think you could counter apologetic with confident. I mean, she knows what she knows. She She's good at her job. Um, she's secure in her place in society. So yeah, I think kind of counters that apologeticness, but I think she's confident as well. All right. And now we get to go back to rolling some more dice, which I know my guests are always happy to do. Uh, we get to now determine what's a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept uh, that the character ascribes to. So we need to determine the category by rolling a D4. Okay. Uh, Four. Four. Okay, so this is ideal or concept. Now we get to roll a regular D6 and figure out what is the ideal or concept that Jacqueline ascribes to. A one. A one. Nature. So she's a blacksmith, but she really cares about nature. So I wonder how this factors into her backstory, maybe her society that she lives in. What are you thinking? Uh, You know, maybe she... I guess goblins don't really ride horses, but they might have little mules or something. Maybe she started doing something as simple as uh, horseshoes or mule shoes or whatever. And maybe that's where her apologetic nature came in, because maybe she has uh, some pet squirrels and they're having to live in kind of her smoke-filled environment. (laughs) Yeah, and in her pockets, so they're probably getting burnt a lot and they have, you know, whiskers that have been burnt away. So that, that may be where her apologetic nature comes out, because she's trying to be this confident blacksmith but at the same time like taking care of these little critters running around her home getting in the way so yeah i could see that so she she has a soft spot for animals then yeah yeah let's let's just say that soft spot for animals she she tends to befriend more than she eats i guess that doesn't necessarily make her a vegetarian or a vegan or something off the bat but you know she's still a goblin you know yeah she enjoys a fresh kill every now and then yeah i think so 
And now we have to determine what's going to be a side quest that Jacqueline the Goblin blacksmith is going to give out to player characters. So now let's roll a d12 and figure out what possible side quest she could offer. 11. 11. Okay. All right. So the side quest here is search for a rare book. So do we have okay. any ideas maybe on what this rare book could be and what it's about? Um, maybe it's something to help her further her craft. Maybe a book on, uh, was it met metallurgy? How do you say that word? Metallurgy? Metallurgy, yes, thank you. A book about metallurgy or something. I, I think, yeah, something, something to help her further her craft. Okay, great, or Maybe Excellent. it contains secrets on making masterwork weapons or plus one or imbuing them with magic or something. Oh, okay, cool. So she could team up with like uh, wizards and chanters to be able to make those magical weapons and stuff. If she had this book, she would be better skilled, better able to do that job. So eventually you could come back to Jacqueline and she could make that plus one, plus two sword that you wanted. Yeah, definitely. I like that. I like that idea of giving it a, a reason to come back to her later on in a campaign. Yeah. Okay, so now we have this idea of the side quest of looking for the rare book. We have to consider what's going to be the reward for succeeding in this quest. I mean, right off, right off the bat, the moment she learns this stuff, she could probably craft something for him uh, or maybe make one of their weapons magical or silver it, you know, uh, to, so that it's more effective against things like werewolves and stuff. Okay. So, uh, so something along the lines of upgrading or improving the player's equipment. Okay, so obviously it takes a little bit of time and resources and effort to do it, but certainly with the book, she can take the time to review it and then offer to upgrade some of their equipment. And now we have to consider what's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to adventure. Um, she'll probably charge them a lot more for her services. <laughs> okay, hit them where it hurts in the pocketbook. Yeah, I think that that would be the big one. I mean, she they're denying themselves that service. It might be that much harder for them to get a magic weapon. I'm, I'm kind of picturing her as a, a lower level NPC encounter, you know? But yeah, yeah. I think that they're just kind of, they're not upgrading their merchants. So or, oh, here we go. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, go for it. Go for it. This is all about it. Spontaneity and creativity. If the book is in the hands of the enemy, they have those secrets and they could be using those secrets against the party. So by removing that book from whoever or wherever it is, they're mm -hmm. taking away that advantage from the villain. Okay, interesting. Okay, so she's trying to improve her skills. She wants this book. She knows maybe roughly where the book is. It's another rival blacksmith. It's another opposing force that's using it to upgrade their equipment. But if she had it, she'd be able to help the heroes. And then the bad guys wouldn't have the upper hand as far as technology was concerned. Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty good. So what are the goals and motivations of Jacqueline? I mean, I think she wants to excel at her craft. Bet she's uh, had a lot of goblins uh, or, you know, just people come up to her and say, you'll never be good at this. You're a goblin. Like, have you seen goblin weapons or stupid? You know, kind of that defiance and she knows she can do it. She's confident. So she wants to prove people wrong. I, th I think she wants to just be the best goblin blacksmith she can be. Okay, awesome. I'm digging it. So then how do these goals and motivations affect her general personality? You know, maybe defiant would have been a good adjective to use for her earlier. You know, she's probably used to people trying to cheat her, not pay her a fair price. So I, I bet, you know, in a lot of ways, her little blacksmith shop is probably her safe haven. And she's probably made her a little more secluded because uh, society at large probably doesn't really approve of her. So and maybe that's why she's apologetic, too. Um, because right, she's used to people her. Mm -hmm. yeah, putting her down and stuff. So 
So, I mean, publicly, you know, she has to be deferential and apologetic, but if you really get to talk to her, she's like, man, all these people that are talking down on me, they're saying that I can't do it. Well, by golly, I am going to do it. I'm going to find that book and I'm going to improve my skills. And I'm going to be the best blacksmith in this town. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Are there different ways that she talks and interacts with people depending on who they are? Or is she just like, what you get is what you get? You know, I, I think it would be more, is she in her safe place or is she outside of it? I, I think that's where she swings more from apologetic to confident. Okay. Um, I think the closer she is to her safe spot, the more she's the person in charge. She's uh, the person wearing the pants, the boots, you know? And I think the further she gets from her safe space, the more like, she might even avoid people, you know, because she's trying to be confident. She's trying to be who she wants to be, but you know, the world just keeps trying to bring her down and she she's not going to let him. Yeah, I, I think she she's probably very like concise and rewarding with people and probably doesn't go for long conversations stuff like that she tries to get to the point just so she can mm -hmm. go back to her safe space and go do the work or whatever yeah and you know about like she probably has to maintain an air of professionalism because people are going to jump on that goblin if she misspeaks or makes a promise she can't keep all right does she have a particular accent or language that she uses are there any idiosyncrasies in the way that she acts and speaks so I'm, as a DM, uh, <laughs> voices are something I don't do very well. Uh, I can't even keep Wayne's voice straight in the podcast, and I've been doing it 40 episodes now. <laughs> um, but goblins, to me, always kind of have that, you know, like, ah, I'm a little thing, I'm a little, ah. But uh, a female goblin, I, I don't know if I can even pull that off. I think she's constantly apologizing and stuff. I mean, that, that apologetic nature, she's probably someone you tell, like, please stop saying you're sorry, and she says sorry, and mm -hmm. I won't do that. Other than that, I think she's probably always standing in a power pose, um, just kind of that well of reserve from her of that, you know, confidence and that determination to be the best. Her pose is probably a little more confident than her speech, maybe. What impact has Jacqueline made on the world? How has she shaped the local area? Obviously, if she's maybe the only goblin blacksmith in an actual town of people my default consider the civilized groups, like, there's got to be a story there as to how that came about. What impact has she had? I bet there's a lot of little goblins from her tribe that probably look up to her to see a goblin making it in society and not just being killed on sight. I think she's probably had an impact with other blacksmiths that realize, no, this, this goblin actually knows what she's talking about. Maybe some professional rivalries have sprung up in town. Okay. Um, but I, I bet there's kind of in the merchant mercantile quarters of her town, she's probably got a reputation um made a name for herself and i like to think she's probably made some nice things for some heroes at some point or other what is a current problem that prevents jacqueline from being a bigger player on the stage is it the fact that she's lacking in her training and that's why she needs this book or are there other factors to consider you know, I think that's part of it. I think also um, she spends so much time with her little squirrel pets and stuff that it probably prevents her from pouring herself fully into it. And, you know, it's going to keep her tied down to this town. This might not be the biggest town. So even though she dreams of being a world famous blacksmith, I mean, she's going to have a hard time leaving her little community. She's starting to find her foothold in and uh, getting to like a big city where she could really let her name be known. So, so this book, I think, is important for her because it's it's going to put her name out there in a way that she herself is probably unwilling to 
because this question just popped up in my mind. So do you think then that her tie to nature, you know, wanting to keep the little squirrels and the rabbits and and Mm -hmm. whatnot, do you think that's kind of like her safety blanket because all these people are telling her she won't be good enough? And so she's like, oh, well, you know, at least I've got my animals and they, you know, they're they're nice to me. And, uh, you know, occasionally someone will come in and make, you know, an order and I'll make them stuff and they can see that I do fine work. But, you know, I just don't believe in myself. Oh, I can't possibly go further because I have to take care of, uh, you know, the mules and I have to take care of the squirrels and stuff like that. And she doesn't want to dream big and go big. Yeah, you know, because she does, I think she wants to be the the best blacksmith she can be. But I I think that, yeah, it is kind of a safety net for her to be able to say like, oh, yeah, I couldn't possibly do that. I have my squirrel's sick, you know, I have to take care of it. Like, uh, you'll you'll have to send my apprentice to the, you know, the big city and let them deal with the the lord that needs a sword or whatever. Yeah, I I think she she would use that as kind of an excuse to get out of things, to to stay sheltered and to stay in her little safe spot where she is, you know, the queen. Going through all these questions, I think we've constructed a fairly well-rounded goblin character that on the surface could just be a joke, but in actuality, if you take all these things into consideration, you can have a very valuable NPC that's very memorable that I think a lot of characters would be interested in running across. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. In in fact, I might have to throw these into one of my D&D games, so... (laughs) Awesome, that's (laughs) what we love to hear on this show. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think it's only fitting then that we throw you into a random encounter. So then this is going to be the part of the show where we do a little vignette, a little role play. Now that you've successfully brought Jacqueline to life, it's only fitting then that maybe you won't necessarily do the voice, but at least you could describe what Jacqueline's thinking and feeling maybe a good scene to kind of help bring some of these things that she's dealing with and struggling with to light. I could bring my warrior woman character uh, into the scene uh, who needs something repaired on her stuff. And maybe she comes into the shop and there's some people, I don't know, maybe they're hassling her, being negative and stuff like that. And then my character gets to step in and kind of like flex her muscles and then gets a chance to have a heart to heart with Jacqueline a little bit. Yeah, I like that. That that would work. I, I could definitely see someone coming into her shop and, you know, seeing her defiantly sitting there taking a tongue lashing because someone's unhappy about something she didn't even do. Just want to take a moment to recognize another sponsor of the show, Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas Titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in my backyard and they have an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, stream on Twitch with tutorials and interviews, and host the ReaperCon. This year, back in person from September 2nd to 5th, 2021 in Denton, Texas. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a miniature that has you covered. Want to include Randolph in your game? Then might I suggest looking at their catalog for SKU number 77661. Perhaps you need a Lord Grubbub. Check out SKU 02646. Are you in the market for your very own Skink Knows the Lich? Look no further than SKU number 77280. You know, every time you shop with them and you spend at least $40 on your purchase, they will give you a cool new mini for free. And this miniature of the month is always something new. And if you're wondering how you can enjoy the benefits from my sponsor, if you visit my website, you can find a link for our sponsorship and use my referral code link, 
when you shop to help support Sidekicks and SideQuests and get you some savings. By clicking that link on my website, it helps to track the traffic that our show directs towards Reaper Miniatures. The more traffic, the more that our Texas powers will be able to combine. So again, go check the link out on my website in order to use my special referral code and be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. And be sure to sign up for ReaperCon 2021 and tell them that Sidekicks and SideQuest sent you. So thank you very much to this sponsor and back to the podcast. So finishing off her last adventure with the Manticore spy boss, a little more wealthy in the pockets, Sonia is checking her equipment and realizes, hmm, I could probably stand for an upgrade or some repairs. So as she makes her way down the road to the next small town along the way, you know, she begins to seek out a blacksmith. She uh, eventually can hear the clanging of anvils and the the heat rising uh, from a small small blacksmith shop and she decides to go ahead and start to peek her head in but she pauses when she starts hearing some raised voices coming from inside Jacqueline is probably in the middle of telling this person look it doesn't matter i can make the best sword in the world but if if you use it like you were using it of course it's going to chip it's not a tool it's a weapon ah what do you know you're just what what is this what is this crap that i you know ah you're just a goblin what do you what where do you even get off? I I want my money back. Your money? I gave you a good deal on that, first of all. That's very fine metal. Some of the finest you can get for miles around this town. No, no, I don't I don't think so. Look, I made that sword just fine. It's it's not my fault you decided to try to use it to fix a wagon wheel. So then this guy gonna like reach across the counter and kind of like grabs roughly onto Jacqueline is like, now you listen here, you little shrimp. And when all of a sudden there's a crash on the door behind him, he turns to look and he sees like this imposing warrior woman step in and she's gonna say, hey, get your hands off that blacksmith right now. And she rolls her intimidation check and it's it's pretty high. And he rolls his resolve and he very quickly realizes, oh, uh, and so he, he'll let go and he'll say, uh, 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 oh, all right, f- fine. I'll, I'll get out of here. Uh, I didn't, I didn't even want to go to this blacksmith anyway. And he just kind of like hastily puts the sword away and he'll just kind of like brush past her. Although Sonia will kind of like uh, use her forearm to kind of hold the guy up to the wall. And she's like, you better make tracks fast. And she'll like let him go and he just runs off. And so then Sonia uh, will turn to look uh, at Jacqueline then and see how she's doing. Sorry. Sorry about that. Terribly sorry. Calm calm down, squirrels. I imagine all the squirrels are chittering. Uh, I'm I'm so sorry. Sonia will be like, there's no need for you to apologize. He was being he was being rude. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, still. Uh, how, how can I help you? Well, I am in need of some repair of my equipment. A little bird down the road told me that you were the hardest working blacksmith in this parts, and I'd really like to have my equipment in working condition before I go much further. Was it a sparrow with a gray stripe down the head? It flew out my window two days ago, and I haven't found her yet. Sonia will kind of uh, chuckle, and she'll be like, no, I just meant another merchant on the road said. Oh, sorry, sorry, yes. by Jacqueline. Yes, no. of course, sorry. No need to apologize. Oh, I'm ha- happy to do repairs. Um, yeah. She'll roll her insight check and she'll be like, are you okay? Is there something that I can help you with? Well, you know, as long as all these people keep coming back, I mean, sorry. Look, it's, 
you look like a tough person. She flexes a there's, muscle. <laughs> there's a book. Okay. If I could just get my hands on this book, I, I wouldn't have to be selling swords to farmers who don't know how to use them. I could be selling swords to people like you. I could sell you a really amazing sword. Really? Without this book, I'm limited. Okay. I, I can't go get it myself. I'm, I'm sorry. I just have all these squirrels and birds and got a rat that I just took in. He's got a broken leg. I, I'd go get the book myself, but I'm not like you. Sorry. I understand. No, don't apologize. Look, you tell me where this book is. I'll go get it for you. What am I looking for? <sighs> I like orcs because there's this orc blacksmith back from the world I used to kind of come from. Mean guy, mean, mean guy. And uh, he, he's got this book. And you'd be doing the world a favor if you took it from him, honestly. Uh, you'd be doing me a favor, but you'd be doing the world a favor. Hmm. Uh, he's, using, he's using it for evil. Okay. I don't know if you've ran into any of the orc bandits around here, but they a little meaner than most of them. Weapons are a little sharper. Yeah, I've had to tussle a time or two. So you're saying that if I can find this book from the blacksmith of the orcs, then I'd have less problems to deal with on the road? Well, yeah, that would certainly be a benefit. Uh, everybody would around here. But more importantly, I could make the weapons I need to make for people like you that need them. All right. I mean, I can do your repairs. If that's all you want, I'm, I'm sorry, I understand. Uh, I'm happy to do repairs at a fair price. Sonia will go ahead and extend her hand, and she says, Sonia. Oh, yeah. I'll wipe a suit off of my hand and reach out. Uh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline, the, the blacksmith. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'll go get that book for you. Thank you. I'm sure you will. And good? Yeah. Oh, nice. That was great. Awesome. I like cool. That. that was fun. Well, as we're starting to get into our final thoughts section of the show, well, what did you think of your experience of uh, getting to make Jacqueline the blacksmith? Um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was, this is, I'm not even kidding. This morning I was secretly hoping I could get like a goblin or something fun like that. You know, <laughs> I think the episode I just listened to, you had a person, uh, she made a zombie and I was like, oh my gosh, it's not just like humans and elves and stuff. It's like right. everything. This is going to be great. Oh um, yes. So I, I was tickled when, uh, when I got the goblin. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I, I like building her out and kind of giving her some contradictory, like, uh, pulls between the like apologetic nature and the confident nature and just trying to remember that I tend to play old characters so trying to remember she's young she's still pushing for those goals and to exceed uh, it was good and then the the little role-playing exercise I, I like that a lot that was fun I haven't uh, had a chance to play up Sonia as much. I'd like to be able to certainly use her more in random encounters, but I like to say that Sonia's the warrior woman. She's tougher. She's willing to do the more dirtier jobs versus mm -hmm. Duncan, who's like my good boy. He's like, I'm a happy-go-lucky adventurer. Oh, you need a cat out of a tree? Oh, go do it. So it's <laughs> nice to be able to, to have situations where like, oh, you need a book and it's from an evil blacksmith? Sure, I'll go whack that guy and uh, go get that book for you yeah awesome nice. well uh certainly i like to turn the platform the mic over to my guests so if there are things that you need to plug if there are causes or whatnot if you want to be found on the internet where can we find you uh you're gonna have a hard time finding me on the internet i try not to exist there but i will take this opportunity to plug um the podcast i'm in regularly uh infinite ultra 
you can visit our website, infiniteultra.zone, and you'll find most of the information there, but I'm pretty sure you can search us up on Spotify or whatever you use to do podcasts. Uh, Infinite Ultra, we come right up, almost close to recording our 50th episode, actually, but it, it's a show about a role-playing game about a group of uh, kind of misfit superheroes uh, out in a crazy world. So yeah, I'd, I'd check that out. Cool. That's, that's my plug for you. <laughs> awesome. And then make sure to read, because reading is yes, good. Yes, yes. Reading will open so many doors for you and so many worlds. And even right now in this really annoying quarantine and COVID and all that stuff, it's just wonderful escapism. Um, you might learn something new. So, yeah. I certainly want to thank my guest for coming on the podcast, helping us create another great character. We're hoping that Jacqueline the Goblin Blacksmith will make it into your games. And if you want to tell us all about how she's appearing in your games, then you can make sure to find us on our social medias and tell us all about it. So until next time, thanks for stepping into the Levitating Platter, the pub that is this podcast, and uh, <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Well, thank you. That was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for Side KQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word. And share our show with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four!